You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Hey, hello. How are you doing? Uh, it is Tuesday. It was such a Tuesday, <laughs> too, wasn't it? It really was. Um, I felt very tired and just kind of like cotton. I think you agree with me. Tuesdays are worse than Mondays, right? Yeah, because like you have kind of the anticipation of Monday. Like you have, I did all the dishes, you know, like on mm-hmm. Sunday night, I like put myself together. I cleaned up my room. And then by the end of Monday night, I was like, oh, fuck it. And then Tuesday, just everything's out of control. Yeah. Oh, I also work from home on Monday. So I'm like, <laughs> this is just weekend part two. I do have to be at my computer all day, but it's not, I, I don't feel like it's the weekend, but you know, there's a lot less press, you know, I don't have to put mm-hmm. on makeup. I don't have to be in public and interact with people. I don't have to be perceived. I was called by not one, but two coworkers weird to my face today. I mean, I just think that goes to show that, like, literally everything is relative. Well, yeah, because, I mean, like, amongst our peers, I'm practically basic. Mm-hmm. So they need to get out more. They they need to branch out. Yeah. Have a wider social circle. Like, you think I'm weird? I knew three people in high school who spoke in fake British accents all four years. So. Yeah, I, I learned that from you today, and um, it was so strange, I just felt like I could not comment uh-huh. on it. Yeah, so, no, I'm not weird. Also sounds like something I absolutely would have done if I would not have been made fun of mercilessly by my friends. Oh, like, you've never seen somebody with a tail at the mall? I'm so normal. Oh, I thought you were asking me, like, very specifically and not just rhetorically, but yes, I have. Yeah, right? So I am, like, as, as you know. Listen, not just at the mall, but, like, at school. Yeah. There were people who wore tails to school. Yeah. And, like, you know what? If that's your you've, jam. You've never seen a college campus Naruto? Come on. A group of uh, teenage boys have not run past you in the dead of night doing the Naruto run. Yeah, I, I, this all goes to say that like Teen Wolf podcasts are not, we are normal. <laughs> and you are listening to the Teen Wolf Real podcast, a podcast where we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf and then justify our meaningless existence. My name is Christian. And I'm Julia. And that's how it is. I want everybody in the wolf pack to tell us about, like, I don't want you to try to embarrass anybody, but I do want you to give us some, like, observances of the weirdest people you've met. Honorific. You know what I'm saying? Honorific. Like, I I really am impressed by those people because they are living authentically. They are. Yeah. Yeah. It's... We all strive for it. Some succeed and some do not. Well, I read this thing today about how post-pandemic, like, it's something we all assumed, but is now being proved sociologically that like people don't know how to act anymore. Uh, can confirm. Yeah. For myself personally. <laughs> just from like taking public transit. I know this for a fact, but like legit just two years inside made everybody so angry and uncomfy that they were like, actually, I will not perform anything for you today. And so everyone like let your freak flag fly is what I'm trying to say. Um, within reason. I actually do want to say. Oh, yeah. No, like, don't wear a tail to the mall. Yeah. Shame is a good thing. (laughs) I actually, you know, again, not a shame thing, but, like, I remember very vividly one of my first um, weeks at my new job, like, before the pandemic started, and I was, like, heading home, and I ended up at a crosswalk with, like, six people in full fursuits. Oh, my God. 
said. Like, was there a con? Did you look up? Was there like a convention? No, I um I took an Instagram story with uh, "What's Up" by Four Non Blondes and kept walking. <laughs> cool. Because I was like, I don't know how to process I, this. I, I that is something that I'm actually like, oh, I will not engage further with that <laughs> mentally, but I am going to engage further with Teen Wolf mentally. Perhaps a show for furries. <laughs> I don't know. We'd have to ask Jeff Davis. I actually am going to go out and say yes, it is. All right. Cool. Um, and we're going to be talking about uh, season six, B episode six, or season six, episode 16. I don't know how you're counting. And it is called Triggers. Yes, it was written and directed by Eric Wallace, a familiar uh, name yes. to this show and podcast. Um, so double feet, double whammy mm-hmm. for that guy. Congrats. Congratulations. Yeah. Maybe his directorial debut. I don't remember. I don't remember either. We've watched so much Teen Wolf. There were there was like a directing moments I actively noticed and commented on while we were watching. So mm-hmm. that is fun. Um, this is an episode where nothing happens, and I guarantee we will still both flub the recap. Yeah, but I again, my notes fit on one page, which is bananas. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. I do. Well, I do. I stopped taking notes. <laughs> I didn't stop, but I got like a little lax, you know? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of cutting back and forth, but the plots didn't progress very far. No, I will say that the main action of this episode happens in the last um, 30 seconds. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It's I honestly I didn't have a bad time. Like I'm being like, oh, nothing happened. I, I had I had no. That's not time. a complaint. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. It's not Especially a given the like flub, like back and forth, like thirty second Teen Wolf scenes. I'm like, well, as long as nothing, I don't have to be paying attention. That's fine. Yeah, there were minimal opportunities for confusion, and I knew exactly what was happening. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I honestly think that we both liked the second episode of the season. Mm-hmm. But I I liked this. I thought it was fun. I was like, the stakes are high, but they're so uncomplicated that I'm like, I'm having a good time. Yeah. Once we moved uh, away from like the beginning of the episode and the high school stuff, that was pretty nasty. It was gross. Um, but then like once that happens, we're back to like a smaller cast instead of trying to like fit everybody in at all times, mm-hmm. which I actually thought improved this episode quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We reduce the cast to people we know and like, and it's all good. Very crucially, people we like. Yeah. Or even, like, Gerard, who we hate. But he serves a purpose. He does. A function. He's sassy. He's a little moments. He has this, moments, yeah. In this episode. So before we get too deep, we do have to do the 60-second recap. Julia is going first. That's great, because I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to uh, see out of my eyes. Oh, so I'm going to read my, my notes and then how, just be done. That sounds like you're going through something tragic and not just having issues with your contact. That is exactly what's happening. Um, I'm sure there are Wolfpack members who can relate. Hashtag relatable. Hashtag relatable content. Being not very good at seeing. Being blind. Yes. Um, well, you got to hold on to that last remaining <laughs> bit of eyesight for the next minute. On your mark, get set, 
Go. Okay, so everybody at the high school has bloody bandages on their heads because they're tested to see if they're supernatural. Aaron gets a kid named Edgar, who is a coyote, and gives him a little spider after he like heals, and he's like, oh, I'm the Inukite. Um, Raphael and Nolan are talking to Monroe about Jiang and Tierney because they escaped, and Nolan um, ends up finding Edgar being like eaten up by spiders. Raphael gets nowhere with Monroe, so he goes to see Gerard and his weapons business, which is like totally legit, I guess. Monroe tells Nolan and Gabe to like kill Edgar, so Gabe strangles him to death, and then Nolan's like, oh, I gotta prove myself, so he follows Mason, uh, to find Liam and Theo, but it's actually a setup. They go into um, the abandoned zoo to like trick all these friends. Meanwhile, the big pack plus Chris are trying to break into the armory, um, but they haven't gotten all the hunters to go away yet. So they're like trying to figure out, oh, we're going to go in. Um, Theo decides to like start a fight to trick the two hunters into believing that a bunch of people are there and Liam breaks his nose three times and then the hunters call for backup so the big pack can actually get into the army armory for real Rafa and Mas- Melissa are arguing about Scott event in the supernatural and she's like trust me the kids have got it oh I felt that slipping away from me as uh it was happening well I I heard when you were talking about like Liam and Theo fighting and I looked at the time and I was like that happened 15 minutes into the episode. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if she's, she's, well, here's the thing. I can't actually comment on your performance because what am I going to do better? <laughs> Possibly. Ooh, first siren of the episode. So it's zesty. It's going to be a zesty episode. Um, yes. Or possibly that'll be the only one. Who's to say? Uh, well, it's certainly <laughs> an insistent siren, so mm-hmm. that's fine. It's, it's giving its all, which is all we can really do at any time, you know? This is like the, this is the last hurrah of the Teen Wolf Rewolf, these last couple of episodes, so the sirens are pulling their weight. Well, it's funny because we weren't getting a lot for a while. Uh, I don't really know what's changed other than like the weather. Yeah, people are like, I can start a fire in my backyard, I, and they shouldn't. I'll <laughs> say, like when you w- were walking around at night you're like people are burning leaves mm-hmm. you can it's, smell it smells good smell good mm-hmm. mm, i love that fall <laughs> smells like burning <laughs> smells like ash in my hair yeah. are you ready to take on <laughs> recapping this episode which we just said oh, nothing happens in no i'm not <laughs> okay well i'm gonna confidently say that you're gonna do better than i am and i'm gonna give you 60 seconds one whole minute to recap, starting right now. So some ginger kid is walking through the hallway and everyone has cuts on their hands because Gabe and Aaron are testing them to see if they're supernatural. And then they stab him and he heals and he's like, I'm a coyote. And then Aaron gives him some anukate and then he like dies of spider. And then Monroe is talking to Nolan and Raphael and there's no lawyer present, so he can't really even say anything. And then uh, they like Nolan and Gabe are ordered by Monroe to kill Edgar. And it's like really fucking gruesome. And then um, Raphael goes to investigate Jerome and he has like enough weapons for like a small country and then um liam and or mason leads nolan to liam and theo who are hiding in the zoo to trick the hunters away from the armory so that scott and like the big pack and chris can get in there but they are not buying it so there's a bunch of hunters at the armory but then like liam and theo get into a fake fight to trick them and then all the hunters leave and then like the big pack breaks in but then they get trapped because they set an like trip an alarm and chris can't get to chris and lydia can't get to scott and malia who are like going through a laser course and then theo and that's time you did get further than i did i did um i am so impressed with how you said Liam and Theo. I heard it and I was like, I didn't even say. Th- what do we say? Theo and Leo? Theo and Leo, yeah. Theo and Leo, yeah. 
<laughs> doing fantastic. Um, would you like to finish recapping the episode for us? The worst part is that Leo is also a name. <laughs> it is. It's not even a ship. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll finish. Okay, so... Uh, Scott and, um, Malia are going through this laser course, uh, but they don't know that if they trip any of the lasers when they're trying to break out of the armory that it will fire an oxygen suppressant, but... I mean, it was probably going to do something. something. Yeah. (laughs) But Malia and, no, Lydia and Chris know, and they're basically just watching them through, like, the, uh, the security camera being like, what if they die? Um, they do a hop, skip, and a jump through the laser course, end up laying on top of each other. And this is the first time where I've been like, yeah, I think that like it, this Scal- Scalia moment like really worked mm-hmm. because like at, any talking between the two people who are the worst at talking in the show is not going <laughs> to go well. Like just get to it. Um, and Malia accidentally uh, triggers the fire suppressant when she breaks a lock. Um, and so her and Scott are suffocating, um, to death. The hunters at the zoo realize that they've been had and that it's really just Theo and Liam. (laughs) Nice. It's so hard. (laughs) Um, it's just the boys. And people started shipping them because they couldn't say (laughs) their names. Totally. Um, and uh, Monroe's like, uh, but if Scott's not here, then why are we here? I thought we were going to kill Scott. And Gerard is like, um, yeah, I think pretty sure it, the best way to kill Scott is to kill his baby, his beta, Liam. His child. Uh, Nolan tries to kill Liam, but then he like completely hallucinates and wolfs out and almost kills Nolan and instead punches the rocks. And then Theo knocks him out and drags him out of the zoo somehow, I guess. Five times. Five times. And then um, the hunter's leave because the alarm has been tripped they go back to realize that Lydia has screamed the door off the bunker mm, because she, okay. I, whatever her powers right. can do whatever yeah when was the last time no she found rules. a body uh, well she heard all of the clicky clicky yeah she heard the clicky clicks um and they realized that the big pack has stolen the map that they had of all the nematodes there's one in, in Greenland. World. There's a nematode in Greenland. That's crazy. <laughs> um, while at the McCall house, oh, Raphael goes to the hospital and is like, tell me about our son. And Melissa's like, oh, now you care? <laughs> Asshole. Now you give a shit. Yeah. Anyway, back at the McCall house, uh, Scott and Malia finally kiss. It's great. Really um, good. It's so good. And then uh, they, Raphael comes in to be like, Gerard gave weapons to all of the townspeople, and you guys are in danger, and then they are attacked. Their house is just shot to hell. Obliterated. Yeah. That's and, it. That's oh, what happened. Oh, did I miss something? Well, somebody done got shot. Oh, somebody done got shot. <laughs> yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Lots of blood on the floor, blood bloody blood. hand. Yeah. Man. Lots, lots going on, but also nothing really at but, all. But like, it was a bunch of like whatever to get there. But again, I liked it. Yeah. Part of the reason I liked it, and this has absolutely nothing to do with Sibungili Malambo. If I'm not pronouncing her name right, somebody please tell me who plays Monroe. She is so good, and her character is written so horrifically. Mm-hmm. And it's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate to watch the contrast between like talent and content. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like because Monroe wasn't a huge part of this episode, I found it so much more palatable because I didn't find I there was less to be um, appalled by, except for Gabe strangling Edgar. <gasps> 
crazy. I didn't that was her- like I that. hated it. I didn't like I it. it. And I seek out media that makes me uncomfortable. We talk about horror movies all the time. I always say I wish things were sadder. Mm-hmm. But this feels so um, unfiltered. It feels so shock value. Well, part of the reason why like this entire plot line, but especially that moment, feels so off is that when you are watching a show... Or even when you're watching a movie, you kind of go into it with the idea that like certain things are going to happen. And it's like kind of an audience show contract of like, I know what to expect, Mm -hmm. even if like, oh, twists or whatever. But like, this is just so out of pocket for Teen Wolf. It just absolutely lacks any kind of sensitivity Mm -hmm. in any way, shape or form. And doesn't actually add enough commentary or intelligent thought behind the obscenity to justify it which is something that teen wolf has succeeded in before so that's what makes it like extra mm. yeah and i and i uh, yeah yeah but anyway as a show that has 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 time and time again been like people are more than their worst behavior deciding that just like (laughs) everybody is an is an abhorrent monster is like oh my god Uh, okay Let's get into the stuff we liked, because I'm tired of having bummer episodes, right? Yeah. We're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of boldness. Everybody's just boldly going. Uh, uh, sirens boldly going <laughs> in the background right now. Um, I hope I hope it's... I, every time that happens in quick succession, I'm like, oh my god, I hope they're not going to the same place, because that means it's bad news bears. Like, it's bad news bears anyway to That's like... That's true. Well, it could have been a fire truck and now an ambulance. Okay. Which... Bad news bears either way, but it's not like, oh, extra bad news. Mm-hmm. Who's to, who knows? We, that's our next podcast, the Chicago police. Scanner. I mean, <laughs> fire scanner. <laughs> <laughs> we listen to the Chicago fire scanner as we review Chicago fire. Yeah, I, I'm saying we might have something there. We may have. They just, I think, I actually just saw that they just did their 200th episode. Wow. That's a lot of episodes I know. of television. I know. Chicago Fire is like eight seasons, I think. Shifi? Shifi? Yeah. Shifi? Yep. Um, and not a single episode, including me, <laughs> no matter how hard I've tried. <laughs> oh. Anyway, um, we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of boldness. It's bold. It's spicy. It's adventurous. But mostly, it's a lot of people deciding to make the biggest possible decision they could make in any given moment. We talked about whether or not we wanted to do this through the theme of arrogance, but I don't necessarily think people are being arrogant when they make these decisions. I think it's a little bit more about like where confidence in previous success meets desperation of the sit toward the situation. Yeah. It definitely feels like a lot of these characters are going through these actions because that seems kind of like the only option. Like Scott brings up the fact that this is going to be their only chance to get into the armory mm-hmm. um and because that's their only chance like oh, liam and theo i really had to think about it um are like they have a huge weight on their shoulders of trying to get all of the people away from the armory and that's like what they have to do in that moment yeah and they have to make bold choices because no, it's not happening the way they want it to. I, I totally agree. I, I kind of want to start with the big pack. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much the first chunk of their time in the episode with Chris is about whether or not they're going to make a bold decision. 
it's like a lot of inactivity and indecisiveness in the car where they're kind of all weighing their options when they realize that the hunters have not fallen for the full trap. Mm-hmm. They send out like two bozos to go <laughs> check in on uh, Liam and Theo. God, it's really I, hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, they're associates. They're not made men. Yeah. You know, they're disposable. They're red shirts, basically. Yeah. <laughs> they send some red shirts out to go check on the boys in the zoo. Um, and they are listening to the heartbeats and they are wasting valuable time. They keep being like, we really don't have that long to do this. Um, and it's really hard for any of them to make the quick decision. Malia as per mm-hmm. wants them to go in and do the damn thing. And Chris is kind of, um, pushing back against that. Um, and eventually they are offered the space for boldness by Theo. No. Yeah. Theo and Liam's boldness. <laughs> I had it right that time. Theo's boldness. Theo's boldness. <laughs> I, all right. Um, moving on. And they can think they can go into the armory. And then after that, they kind of get a little bit cocky, mm-hmm. I'd say. I would not say they're thinking uh, with their brain so much as their bravado. Well, unfortunately, they're kind of in a position where, like, the two people who um, can, like, run the quickest away from the explosives that they're going to plant in the armory are, like, the two werewolves and also the dumbest people alive. Yeah, so what we basically have is, like, we have two, like, Malia is obviously the one who is most likely to act boldly and then scott is like you know hero extraordinaire so he's not like he like when he starts going into like superhero mode like rational thought goes out the window um so you have the two people who are like the guiding forces of this plan locked in a different room with no choice but to watch the two of them mess up basically (laughs) like scott and malia like the second they smell um Jang and Tierney. Jang and Tierney. Yeah. Tierney. Why can't I say that? Tyranny. Tyranny. <laughs> I think I think Shelly Hennig keeps saying tyranny, and that's why it's messing me up. That's funny. I'm just going to blame it on Shelly. Um, the, they don't, for a second, consider like what the ramifications of breaking into that door is. It's weird to me. You mentioned that they don't smell, that what they're smelling is death, when we know that animals can smell death. They get that slightest whiff and then break down that door, and that's what triggers the laser course. Meanwhile, Lydia and Chris, who do not have the option to act boldly, are watching them being like, don't open the door with no way of communicating that to them. Well, no, he gets through on the speaker and they don't really hear him. Or if they do, they like are too far gone Mm -hmm. into their plan of like opening the door. No, I think he doesn't break through the pipe until the lasers start. And then he's like, don't trip their lasers. Which, like, yeah, I think th- I think they know that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, because something, something bad is going to happen. Yeah, so um, what, what's really interesting is that, like you said, like, that boldness is being acted upon because, like, the sort of logical players are separated. And there was no other way to carry out this plan without doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think, like, if other people, even other people who could have smelled um, what they were smelling had been there, like... Somebody would have paused to say, wait, I don't hear heartbeats or wait, this doesn't smell right. But Scott, you know, as we know, is just like so, so about 
saving people and he has been emboldened by being able to break into the armory and he's like oh my god I'm first of all they have already failed in the sense that like there's no weapons they're all gone so the plan the reason that they came there is useless Mm -hmm. now and this is his like one opportunity to accomplish something being there so he doesn't even stop to think maybe this is not the move yeah yeah ultimately it does give them uh the map but i think like one accidental spoil of ward has does nothing to like it it's a negate the fact that they could have died and that he put like they both they put themselves in like extreme danger yeah getting the map was a big deal but it's kind of a callback to the hail vault yeah which i don't hate no, I don't hate it either. I mean, I think the idea of the Hail Vault is absolutely stupid, but we covered that back then. Yeah. Um, um, oh, I think my favorite act of boldness amongst the big pack is when, like, Malia, as she's dying, is like, there's so much I haven't done yet. And then when they get mm-hmm. back from the call house, they're just in Scott's bedroom or whatever. And she's like, one of those things is this. And she kisses him. And it's perfect. It's such a lovely, lovely moment that you've got the, like, romantic comedy spinning camera well it's funny it's not Mm -hmm. even spinning it's bouncing around them Mm -hmm. and it looks so good and they're lit with like a sort of orangey yellow light and everything around them everything else around them seems black it's very soft and you get the sort of idea that in that moment even though everything is happening they're like the only people in the world which for a season that is so incredibly dark and dour this is very comforting Mm -hmm. and kind of like a moment of relief um and it's kind of nice because like Malia clearly has been trying to figure out what she feels about Scott if anything which has kind of made her like less bold than she normally would be um in those kinds of situations because Malia is like I see it I want it I take it kind of people um, yeah, I also both think that they're very physical people, so mm-hmm. they keep getting caught up in the, these conversations when neither of them really interact with the world or other people that way. Mm-hmm. And so I think sort of getting the little nudge while it, she he's she's laying on top of him and they can't they she has to keep he has to keep pulling her down to get out of the laser. It's so cute. It's so cute, and it's kind of a good little like hmm. comedic clowny moment to yeah. throw in there. And that nudge, the fact that, you know, he's holding her while they're dying, it finally sort of breaks that weird barrier that they put up between each other when they were trying to figure out what they were feeling. And then ultimately, the second it comes crumbling down, they're like, well, of course, we've always been able to interact this way. It feels so organic. Mm -hmm. I love that relationship. We've mentioned that it's like the best possible Hail Mary. Although we see the next best possible (laughs) Hail Mary in the next episode because Jackson and Ethan entered the scene. Jeff Davis's mind. Like a yeah, <laughs> incredible. Great. I love it. Um let's move on. I kind of <laughs> want to talk about um Melissa and Raphael. Yeah. Um I wish very much wish that we could have had a moment um in the past episode when Raphael shows up where we see just a snippet of the conversation that he has with I'm assuming Melissa and or maybe the sheriff Mm -hmm. about the supernatural because it happens off screen and 
he has just learned that his son is a werewolf mm-hmm. and all of his friends are werewolves and coyotes werewolf and adjacent banshees yeah um and he really really wants to be able to help and he's clearly worried about scott um but melissa is just kind of like step back jack like you walked into this five seconds ago well i think yeah i think it's really bold of uh rafael to assume bold of you to assume bold of you to assume that you get to be scott's dad now even though you said you were going to do that two years ago and didn't bail just disappeared yeah like entirely like how many times can your dad later on you like that i mean i guess a lot i mean scott laid it out that he like didn't get care either way but yeah. Raphael was seemed committed and then he dude bold of scott to call Raphael a gene donor <laughs> anyway but no it's really bold of Raphael to assume that because he now has you know I think much like Stalinsky had a moment I'm sure of like what was I missing in all of these you know investigations Mm -hmm. that I've done throughout my career and you know everything I was doing when I was here last but he kind of seems just like that he's just because he's been given the privilege of this information that he's all of a sudden back on equal ground with Melissa who very clearly lays that out for him and she's like actually you know what it's not you who's going to come in and save the day it's your son who you up until this point have basically abandoned so bye yeah, I mean, I almost think that, like, Melissa isn't giving herself enough credit in that moment. She has saved so many lives on screen. So many lives on screen, and not just because, like, because she's a nurse, but because she's, like, involved in the supernatural. And it has been amazing to, like, watch her progress over the last couple of seasons where she becomes so much more bold in, like, taking charge in certain situations. Um, but like, if I were her in that moment, I would have such little patience for Raphael, for Raphael's boldness, for stepping in and, and asserting himself where he does not belong. Yeah. It just kind of reminds me back of that scene when, when, um, she's like, when he's like, you told me to leave. And she's like, I told a drunk to get out of my house. I didn't tell, you know, my kid's dad to leave. And now she's back Mm -hmm. being like, you still left. You still left. Dude. Yeah. Um, I also like the scene and you brought this up because it does very much feel like two people who used to love each other and have this kid and obviously like Raphael loves Scott uh, in a different and less responsible way than Melissa but has like these great feelings towards him and it's really interesting to see the way that they um, that the the way that they view him in this world is played out in this conversation, whereas, like, Melissa very mu- much more sees him as a full human than Raphael does. Yeah, I think that Matthew Del Negro and um, Melissa both have, like, really good chemistry I love how Melissa Ponzio is on a first name basis I literally like blacked out on her name for a second it's very confusing (laughs) to me when like actors have the same first name as their characters Mm -hmm. because I'm like I know you have a real last name um I think that they do a really good job considering the fact that we don't see them on screen very often together of kind of like evoking that emotion between the two of them um because like Melissa clearly used to love him and clearly like wants him to be able to like be a part of this life but she's been disappointed forever and ever mm-hmm. by him and there's like I don't know maybe this is me projecting as a child of divorce but I am like there, I see something 
between yeah. the two of them it was really compelling to me i i completely agree also like you know how when shows cast parents of children and, and none of them look anything alike no this is excellent casting. oh my god they totally could have spit out tyler Post. <laughs> yes yeah, no, so good it's really good um let's uh move on to talk about uh monroe and gerard and to an extent nolan Monroe is getting pretty bold, asking her students to commit murder in the locker room. In broad daylight. Yeah. And then to dispose of the body. And she's like, well, I need to know if I can count on you. Um, Insidious behavior. It is horrific to watch. Um, But frankly, and Gerard kind of has a moment like at the end of this episode where he maybe starts to realize that, like, giving Monroe all of this authority was, like, not the best idea. Well, I think she he sees how emboldened she's gotten, and it's making her, like, reckless and, like, questioning his authority, which, mm-hmm. like, you know, Gerard is always the puppet master, always, you know? Yeah. But she really seems to believe that, like, she is the one who is in charge, and I think... You know, in the latter half of this episode, we really see her being frustrated by what she perceives to be Gerard's like lack of boldness or like lack of thought um, because she just wants to be able to like kill Scott. That's her like main thing. And he doesn't seem to be too concerned with it. Well, he is. I think she is has you know felt like she's been given this power because she I think she views the power that she's been given by Gerard as like a sort of um recognition of her ability as a leader and that's why she thinks that her plan is the one they need to move forward for that's why she thinks that they need to charge through and kill Scott but like Gerard plays the long game he thinks that she and he's proving that to her constantly that she is is too bold that she's going out on all of these limbs and, and, and acting in a really rash way that mm-hmm. aren't suiting this uh, militia he's been putting together in the background this whole time. Yeah. Um, I think it's really bold of Monroe to assume. Bold um, of you to assume. Bold of you to assume. Like she has had such minimal experience with the supernatural at this point. And if, like, honestly, if I were her, I'd be extremely suspicious of Gerard handing me that much power, perceived power, especially when she does not even know half of the history that Gerard has, not just with the supernatural, but with Scott specifically. Yeah. Well, I feel like, (laughs) I mean, she has no idea that she's like a prop, Mm -hmm. you know? Which is like, ugh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, yeah. A bummer. Yeah. Um, I was going to compare her to Umbridge, and then I decided that there are smarter, more worldly things I could talk about than stupid Harry Potter. Um, yeah, I think that that, that relationship is, is growing. And I also think that her, the overextension of her boldness is a huge reason as to why Nolan is now having doubts in the cause. Yeah. He... Um... I, I mean, I don't know. We kind of have seen a little bit of a flip-flop flip flop from him mm-hmm. where he wasn't necessarily, he didn't seem jazzed about getting into this to begin with. And then we see him sneaking into the sheriff's station to kill Jang and Tierney. And 
then he realizes that that's like his former friend and he sees kind of like the chaos that goes on with that and he really starts to know to realize that his own life is on the line yeah you know what i thought was really interesting was how he was affected when Raphael was like i would could you have been the one hiding jeng and tierney Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it sort of dawns on nolan that he could be saving people that like what what Raphael's suggesting of him is you know bad in Raphael's eyes because he'd be harboring a criminal but to Nolan would would suggest that there's a different option that isn't murdering them you know that being asked to kill people Mm -hmm. um and I think that that sort of shakes shakes him a little bit and I think that's part of the reason why he's so um hesitant i mean other than the fact that it's taking a human life so hesitant to participate in the murder that happens in the bathroom that then um monroe is like you know gabe proved himself when are you gonna prove yourself i think nolan's reaction to that is like the most human that we have seen of like the quote-unquote bad guys of this season because he's the only person really who is experiencing this kind of hesitation which feels so I don't even want to say logical because it's not you know it's not like a logical feeling but like it's very human yeah to all of a sudden be that is my frustration with the yeah. season is that we're only watching one person behave like a human and I know that mm-hmm. the Anukate makes you uh like cranks up fear to 11 would you not be afraid to kill somebody hello Hello. Yeah. Oh, it's like it really does not operate on actual human rules. It it's basically like the Inukite takes out your sense of humanity so that you can act on like worse behaviors. But that's, I feel like the way that it's pitched to me. One, it's way more interesting to do it the other way, and two, that's not really what you said to to me that it does. Yeah, it's kind of like okay. I've never watched a Purge movie. Yeah, but it has always uh, been very interesting to me that like it's you know all about murder when like if the purge was actually happening people would just like go to best buy get a tv you know like, cancel student debt <laughs> yeah people would do things that they would normally get arrested for that probably would just involve like money yeah as opposed to like murdering people that's not like the logical next step yeah yeah i, do, I of, yes like I fear <laughs> you know i agree i agree you you're you know what most people do when they're afraid run away yeah um, I would leave Beacon Hill. I'd be like, this place is that's fucking scary. Hot's going to I would love to know if there was like um, statistics about like what percentage of the population is predisposed to fight, flight, or freeze. Interesting. Or fawn. I guess there's like another. What's the other one? I feel like freeze was new too. Um, fawn is when you basically like it's appeasement. Oh. Essentially. Oh. Oh. Which I, think I guess I do is that. like. <laughs> oh did I do that actually um, no I know I run because I've been in situations <laughs> oh. I was once in a very scary situation on my run and I checked my mile time <laughs> it was crazy you guys I mean like Usain Bolt but also I, my life flashed before my eyes so I, I know I'm a freezer because even like in my nightmares I'm not running from things I'm just like screaming and nothing's coming out <laughs> Post-step pull, guys. 
What is your um, fear response? <laughs> you know what's funny? The only people who I know are actually fight are the people who accidentally like punch haunted house workers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, I can't imagine that being my go-to. Like, can you imagine how b- you'd break your fucking hand? No, I know how to throw a punch. Okay. Would you know how to throw a punch like at a haunted house worker in the moment? No, well, I wouldn't throw a punch <laughs> at a haunted house worker. You just no. Well, I would probably it would probably be an open, open-handed hand. situation. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Less likely to break your hand. Less likely to break my hand. More likely to inflict damage. <laughs> I have very big hands, so if I slap somebody, it's unpleasant. Not that I hit people regularly, um, <laughs> or ever at all. I can't remember the last time I hit somebody. It definitely was a sibling, and it was definitely in, like, sixth grade. Yeah. Um, anyway. Okay, so we, let, let's wrap up our discussion. I literally saved Theo and Liam for last because of how bad I was messing up their names. I don't think I'm going to do any better. Okay, so Theo and Liam are in the zoo. The abandoned zoo. Okay, Way bold that they set themselves up as bait and also crazy that Scott isn't like, no, my baby. Um, I mean, I'm sure Scott was fine with like Theo doing that. But yeah, well, it's funny because Theo basically insinuates that the only reason he's there is because Liam has asked. Mm hmm. And <laughs> I think it's really interesting well, no, because that feels like bullshit to me. I don't think he's doing anything at, like, Liam's beck and call. I think, like... I don't think it's Liam's beck and call. I think he cares about it. Oh, could you hear me out? <laughs> Turn your shipper brain off. Remember, I'm in my <laughs> 20s. I don't ship anything. That must be nice for you. Anyway. But, no, what I think is interesting is that, like, Theo says that, but clearly he has sort of boldly taken a place in the McCall pack uninvited <laughs> uh yeah malia um very explicitly has told him on no uncertain terms that he is not part of the bag but nobody is in a position at this point where they can be picking and choosing their friends oh yeah like they it, it's open application <laughs> here right now but it's interesting to me that he didn't you know hightail it get in his truck and be like i can actually be homeless anywhere by <laughs> literally the fact that he has like decided to stay and like take a stand is very interesting very interesting um mm-hmm. i think that what strikes me as interesting as well is that liam is really deeply affected by the anukate in the zoo and theo seems to suggest that it has something to do with them being in the zoo i don't know if that comes back up <laughs> later but, but this is another episode where theo just sort of like reads liam for filth the whole time which is interesting mostly because i think when it comes to season five he spent the entire time like observing all of these things about liam to manipulate him into like killing scott and now he just happens to know all this stuff about him well what what i really like about that is the fact that this is something that has clearly been on liam's mind the fact that like the Anukate is kind of stripping away everything that he has worked for in terms of like controlling his anger. And Scott does not have like the mental capacity to deal with that right now. And so the fact that Theo is just kind of coming out and saying it and acknowledging that like this is something that Liam is struggling with, like I think that that is, 
I don't know. It's kind of comforting to have somebody name that. Well, I also think like it's pretty bold because a lot of people who struggle with emotional problems or mental health issues, people just like pussyfoot around it. And to have somebody like Theo be like, I'm actually watching you go through this and that's pretty embarrassing, dude, is something that probably feels pretty refreshing to Liam, whose whole life has probably been around people being like, well, you know, Liam has is sensitive. You know, Liam has problems. Yeah, I people probably have spent a lot of time walking on eggshells around him, and Theo clearly doesn't fucking care to do that. Which I think that if I were Liam, that would feel like kind of a relief. I'd be like, mm-hmm. yeah. To the to point where like they have absolutely no qualms about hurting each other. Like they could have had a fake fight. They could have had a fake fight to distra- to to try to convince the hunters that everybody was there, but they have a real fight, and I think that this is kind of them getting out their final blows of frustration with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going all the way back to season five, but it's basically sort of like you want to like you like you want to start this. Let's like let's go. You know, like that kind of like um, one ability to just sort of get those feelings out, and two like commitment to this bit expresses an extreme amount of boldness but it's also funny because i feel like theo i think that fight actually is what suggests to theo that liam is like really not doing well probably um i mean i do think it's a really interesting vehicle because like liam is the one who brings theo back in 6a as a way to did you say leo is the one who brings theo back or did my brain make that up I'd have to listen back because oh, I legitimately God. don't know. But anyway, those- why did they name them that? Or well, no, Liam came first. Why did you name him Theo? So Beta One and Beta Two. Yeah. Um, like Liam is the one who brought him back, and they had to like really rely on each other towards the end of Six A because they were like the only people left in freaking Beacon Hills, <laughs> and I think Theo wants Liam to trust him and in that like fight moment that was him trying to be like we can work this out mm-hmm. um because men work things out by hitting each other they do do that <laughs> um but I think he quickly realizes that that is like it's not going the way he expects it because Liam is so unhinged yeah yeah it's interesting and then it ultimately like like, it's not like Theo is equipped to be in any kind of caretaker role, but it does make him have to be very adaptable, and I think that's also kind of a fake-it-till-you-make-it stance on on boldness, um, and it's interesting, and he, he does... It's funny, because you almost want Theo to let Liam get Nolan. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, because he knows that Liam doesn't want to kill Nolan. Well, what is even crazier about that? is that he stops Liam from killing Nolan and then he lets Nolan go. Yeah. Because the Theo of season five would have just slashed that kid's throat. No qualms. Yeah. Character development. Growth. Growth, baby. It's great. (laughs) Uh, Let's move into Q's and O's, shall we? Let's do it. Okay. Do you have any questions? No. No, it was really straightforward. (laughs) I had, again, I actually had fun. Yeah. Had a good time. Apart from the beginning, very little of the like political structure was examined in this, which meant that I didn't have to do that much brain work in trying to remember what the early stages of the Trump presidency (laughs) were like. Well, I mean, like every time um, we watch an episode, I'm like, I have the same like continuity questions that I do every time. It's just not worth bringing them up because like... I'm never going to get an answer. Well, they either get answered or they don't. Yeah. So what's the point? Uh, okay. Hit me with an observation then, please. Okay. At the beginning of this episode, 
Yeah. When all of the kids are um, walking around with their bloody bandages, first of all, how deeply did they cut them? Just give them a Band-Aid. They're all wearing very bloody gauze. And then when they trap Mr. Redhead Edgar, Coyote Boy, in the library, and... No, and is it Aaron or whatever? One of them pulls the scalpel out of his pocket. It is covered in blood. You're going to get like hepatitis. <laughs> like some disease is going to be passed around that school because they're clearly not cleaning it off every time. Cleaning it off doesn't do anything, honestly. No, like, no, like, you gotta do, that's why they sterilize those things in hospitals. It's not even like they're not carrying around um, like a little bottle of rubbing alcohol and some swabs. Like, he doesn't even have the fucking decency to wipe it on a napkin. Well, it's also like, okay, well, and a werewolf could probably fight off hepatitis, but the person you just cut who isn't a werewolf <laughs> could die of hepatitis. Um, I Yeah, I just think about that scene in 10 Things I Hate About You constantly, where he's like, don't touch anything, you're going to get hepatitis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that really, like, mm, I didn't like that. I didn't like it either. It I didn't was- like that whole thing. I mean... It felt very like. Uh, it felt very like a commentary that I don't want to think too hard about. I, yeah, I decided not to bring it up. Yeah, um, I Mason is not in this episode very much at all, but he's bringing some really cute little pink sweater with like a um, denim, like a chambray shirt underneath it. He just looks really cute. Mason is at the end of the day a cutie, just an adorable, adorable. I also cutie. like that he's driving Lydia's car. Yeah, I, I want to see the conversation where Lydia is like. If you hurt my car. If you put a fucking scratch on my car, yeah. I'll kill you. Um, okay. I'm just saying that there is absolutely no reason for Theo to hold Liam's hand, but they do it. They're holding hands. They grab wrists. Um, and there's just like a moment in the car when they're like driving away from the zoo. And Theo is just like so bemused. By this small angel man sitting next to him. And it's just like, that's gay. <laughs> I do think, okay, I want, I'm going to counter this, not because I don't believe that there's something there. Mm-hmm. I get it. The devil has enough advocates, but I don't really <laughs> think I'm advocating for him right now. Um, I'm not really advocating for anybody other than the sake of argument. But I also think that it's possible to just be like, this is the first time that they have actually connected as friends and not just like people on the battlefield together. And I think that Liam or Theo is sort of bemused by the idea that he actually might like Liam. Liam, Liam might be somebody that he enjoys having in his life. Um, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't know that that's like mutually. I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. Um, but I also think it's really interesting to like compare like Theo. Nope. I didn't mean to. Theo, Theo and Liam. Liam's, yeah. Theo and Liam's interactions in this season with like the inception of Liam and Hayden's relationship and like how it just happened. I do think there no, are parallels there. Yeah. yeah um, it, it, I don't know. I just, I have thoughts. It made me feel things. Um, and then my last thought is that this is not the first time that poor Melissa McCall's beautiful home has been wrecked to pieces. Her home insurance premium must be That's insane. why they have all this money problem. <laughs> Astronomical. She is yeah. like paying the top premium because she has to get like her entire exterior replaced every six months. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it is crazy and I really feel for her it's very hard being a homeowner I know (laughs) what are your observations okay so on the speaking of Theo and Liam they are both like they both costuming wise and the way that their hair is done they both really look like they've been roughing it for however long Scott is supposed to have been gone I think it's like a day or two at this point Mm -hmm. but they're like Theo is wearing this really oversized like type jacket it looks like they've been cold if that makes sense like Liam's hair is looking a lot scruffier than it has been like it's been slicked back like now it does look messy and Mm -hmm. I just was like this is kind of interesting because it kind of suggests to me that they've been doing a lot this plan has been going on for days and they've been doing like a lot of extra work and have maybe been in the zoo for I do not know how long (laughs) and I was like that's interesting because it is a step back from everybody and Team Wolf being so put together and you know Mm -hmm. Malia's hair is like down more this season it's far less styled Mm-hmm. I always thought it was weird how styled Malia's hair was. Who taught her how to do beach waves? She was a coyote. <laughs> I don't know. They make really great technology for that nowadays. Yeah. Um, and like Lydia's hair is just sort of straight. I, I think it's interesting. Everyone's, everyone looks a lot less planned. She Lydia in particular, I think, looks really subdued. Yeah. But in a way where I'm just like, she looks so good. She looks fantastic. But yeah, the, those boys looked dirty. And I was like, that's a nice touch. I really Have love it. Have they been sleeping in the zoo? <laughs> either they're sleeping in the zoo or they're sleeping in Theo's car so it is crazy that everybody is just able to like break into that zoo like an abandoned zoo would be an incredibly dangerous place for people to be just like randomly exploring Um, because of you know like the pits and such yeah um (laughs) I just from like not my personal experience but experience to those who are close to me not that hard and you can go in the pits crazy um so that, that is a special shout out to my older brother, Griffin. <laughs> Thanks, Griffin. Nice. Um, oh, I loved, I, I, we already talked about the kiss, but I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, you know what I appreciated about this episode? Hmm. Daytime. Daytime. I saw everything. They did not go into the sewers once. Well, I guess the armory is technically in the sewers. But the whole zoo thing, the fact that they did the whole zoo thing in the daytime, I was like, this is awesome. This rules. This yeah. is awesome. And it's like, I don't actually lose much of the tension at, at it not being at night because so much of Teen Wolf is at night is that you actually lose some of the tension because it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's always night in Beacon Hills for some reason. Mm-hmm. Seems unrealistic. Yeah. Beacon Hills is a version <laughs> of daylight savings is to just get get rid of daylight. <laughs> No more daylight for anyone. <laughs> no more daylight. Um, I think that is the end of my observations. Do you have pack stats? I do. Um, minimal again. We had three eyes. It was mostly Liam. And then that one other, the other guy. Edgar. Ed, Ed, Edgar. Um, one clause from when Liam um, doesn't kill Nolan. Good job, him. Everybody kept their clothes on. Which, like, okay. Um, we, had a Toyo- we had a couple Toyota ads. And then only... I heard two sirens. You had heard you heard two sirens. Yeah, there were two sirens. Yeah, there were two sirens. Yeah, there has not been a lot of Nike this season. No, I mean, like I guess that's okay. I don't know that it would um, fit into. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's like the Ryan Kelly like reduction mm-hmm. issue is he's not in as much of it, so there's less flame retardant shorts. Short, yeah, and flame in yeah. general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you have an alpha of the week? Uh, it's Lydia. Yeah, Lydia. Because she, Banshee yells that door, door in. Down. Yeah, it's Lydia, or I would even maybe give it to Theo. 
Mm, yeah. yeah. He he does knock Liam out three times to get him away from Nolan. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he enjoyed it, actually, so that's not really a, an accomplishment. <laughs> I think it would have been funny if Liam was like, God, my back hurts. And then, like, Theo was like, oh, yeah, I dragged you out of here. <laughs> what do you want me to do, carry you? Ew. Ew. Gross. <laughs> Um, awesome. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, mm-hmm. If you liked this episode, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Real Wolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Real Wolf and our Facebook group is Teen Wolf Real Wolf Podcast. If you really like this episode, you can uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Leave us a review. Give us five stars. We'll read it out loud on the pod. If you really, really like this episode, you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Teen Wolf Real Wolf or buy our stickers on Redbubble, Teen Wolf, redbubble.com forward slash Teen Wolf Real Wolf. Other than that... Play bingo. If you get a bingo, if you're the first person to get a bingo, you get to pick our last bonus episode. I have been Christian. I've been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, woo!